though this is something that we read every, after every service, but I want to read it right now. Number six, it says, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the, ch- the children of Israel, and I will bless them. How many of you know how real that is? I remember when LJ first started, Pastor LJ first started um, giving this benediction, he said that, that they was going to have testimonies come out of this. And I'm, I'm a witness that this was true in my life. I, I went to school um, some years ago, a few years ago, after being out of, out of high school 20 years, I wound up going back to school and going back to college to pursue a career. And, I mean, it was, it was rough. I was in school full-time. I worked full-time. I was doing ministry. I had to take care of family. And at the time, I didn't understand it, you know what I'm saying? But God was really directing my path through it all. I wound up graduating in 2017. And with the type of field I went in, I thought I was just going to automatically get a job. You know, I thought it was just going to automatically happen right then and there. And I began to see that I had the industrial experience and the degree but I kept seeing other people getting jobs that didn't even have no experience. I seen people getting the same job that didn't have no degree, but I didn't wave in my faith. You know, I didn't wave in my faith. I didn't wave in my giving. I didn't wave in none of those things. But I continued, you know what I'm saying, to serve God. I went unto the Lord. And how many of you know, in that time, you know, about a year after that, I a night supervisor in the on the distribution side not even on the manufacturing side supervisor experience and I'm gonna have the degree and then I'm gonna, it was like I was building my to read this scripture man God came through for me Last week, man, it was so overwhelming, I got promoted again to run the whole distribution center. And I mean, when God do it, I mean, when he put his stamp of approval upon it, I mean, you can't deny that it's, it's him. And when I begin to look at that and I begin to, in my mind, say, God, is this you? Is this you? And man, one night I was sitting at the desk and God just began to lay it all out to me. He began to show me how. You know, my schedule changed. You know, I wanted to be down here more, so my schedule changed. I worked Monday through Friday, 5.30 in the morning to 2.30 in the afternoon. I wouldn't have been doing that across the lake. I mean, I'm outside of the elements. I'm inside. I have my own office. I don't have to deal with the cold, the rain, and all these different things. But when God began to do something for you and he put his stamp of approval on it, it's nothing but him. Even as far as the money and all these things that I was concerned about, man, he gave me the number that I asked him for. I mean, so you cannot beat God's giving. It don't matter what you're doing in life or what you think that you're trying to accomplish. Man, just stay in the lines with the word of God and have a good work ethic. And like Pastor LJ say, make yourself valuable. That's what I begin to do. Yeah, I begin to look at my life and I begin to see how I, was, I, I dealt with drugs. I dealt with different addictions and things like that. But when I begin to clean myself up and I begin to go back to school and make myself valuable, it put me in a position that I can be blessed. 
And that's my testimony. We're going to have offering. Stand up on your feet and follow the directions of the ushers. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, we thank you, oh God, for being faithful, oh God, to us, oh God. God, even God, when we're not faithful to you, oh God, we thank you, oh God, for who you are, oh God. God, we bless, my Lord God, everyone that gave, oh God, and had the mind to give, oh God. God, we pray, God, that you bless them, oh God. God, we know, oh God, that we can't beat your giving, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord God, you control every situation, oh God. God, you control every heart of a man, oh God. And we appreciate you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of y'all ready for the word of God? I say, how many of y'all ready for the word of the Lord? This is one of the most important parts of the service, man. And we got a brother that's going to minister to you today. I've been knowing him a long time, labored with him, fellowshiped a lot. And our brother... Minister Gene Arsenault. Praise the Lord. I want you to stand to your feet with me. I was listening to them sing, and they had a part where they just kept saying Jesus over and over. And I don't know if you felt anything, but I did. So I just want to disrupt all of hell right now. If y'all don't mind helping me out. Y'all don't mind helping me? Y'all not scared to say that name, are y'all? Y'all not convincing me. Y'all not scared to say the name Jesus, are you? All right, come with me on the count of three. We just gonna scream Jesus. And I want you to scream it as many times as you want to. I want to upset hell this morning. I want every devil in hell to know that when they step foot on Life Change Campus, this is a threat. Amen. One, two, three. Jesus. 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 Come on, say it like you're calling on him, like you need him. Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Father. Hallelujah. 
while you're standing, I want to go into a text real quick. Genesis chapter number 11. Genesis chapter 11. For those of you that don't have your Bibles, they're pretty good sometimes about putting it on the screen up here. You can follow along. But Genesis chapter number 11. I'm going to start here at verse number 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity, in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah. The name of Nahor's wife, Milcah the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarah was barren when she, she had no child. And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. Everybody say to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. I want everybody, while you're standing, just look at somebody. Find somebody. Make eye contact with somebody. Turn around if you have to. I need everybody to just look at somebody. Everybody got, some, everybody got a partner? All right, I want you to repeat after me. Look at them, and I want you to say it with passion from your heart, like you mean it. Say, don't die in Heron. You'll know what that means by the end of the service. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we come to you this morning, my Lord God. God, asking, Father, that you would have your way in this service, oh God. God, we ask this morning, Father, that your spirit, my Lord God, would liberate those that are captive, my Lord God. God, that you would have free course throughout this service, oh God. God, that chains of bondage would be broken on this morning, my Lord God. God, that your word would go through, God, and and just sanctify each and every heart, my Lord God. Open up the ears of our understanding, my Lord God. Open up the hard heart, God. God, cause it to become fallow ground that your seed may be planted inside, oh God. God, I pray, God, that you would use me, that servant, oh God. God, nothing but a vessel, God, that has prepared himself, oh God. God, and I pray, Father, that the words that flow from my lips on today, God, be your words of wisdom, oh God. God, that it may go through, God, and penetrate everything, my Lord God. That every devil in hell, my Lord God, may flee the scene. Oh God, God, I pray, God, that people may leave this place today sanctified, saved, delivered, my Lord God, and freed from whatever bondage they've come in with, oh God. God, we declare it to be so this morning, God. We speak it by faith, my Lord God. God, and we call it done in Jesus' precious and holy name, oh God. Amen and amen. You may be seated. How many of y'all excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I know it's a different face than what you normally see. But I'm, I'm going to just let you know, it's been a minute, but I'm not a stranger. It's been a minute, but I'm not a stranger. He put preaching in my bones. So I'm, and then when it's the Holy Ghost preaching, you, God won't shortcut you. Amen. He's not going to shortcut you. Amen. Well, June 6, 1979, I was born. 
And when I was born, I was born with what's called a heart murmur. And nurses are in here. Some heart murmurs, they can be innocent. Some heart murmurs, they can be bad. But they have to do diagnosis on you, find out what's going on with you. But I came into the world with a heart murmur. I also came into the world born out of wedlock. I came into the world, I didn't have a father figure in my life for the first nine years of my life. My mother was single, she was raising me. I had a nephew that was two years older than me. He was like a big brother. I had two sisters that lived in the house with me. And we grew up in a neighborhood that wasn't one of the best neighborhoods. It wasn't one of the most rambunctious or riotous, but it wasn't one of the best neighborhoods. And back in those days, they had, you know, dope on the streets and, you know, all these things. But I was raised in that neighborhood with my mother, my nephew, and my two sisters. And as a child, I don't know if you know how important it is for a child to have their father or father figure actively involved in their life. The father gives who they are. So when they grow up, they can get stamp of approval on them. Well, me growing up for the first nine years of my life, all I had was my mother. She was the one I confided in. She was the one I cried to. And at the age of nine years old, I stayed at my cousin's house. We were spending the night when my mother went to a funeral, and we got a phone call. And the phone call, they said my mother had a heart attack. And from that moment on, my mother was never the same. The next time I seen my mom, they came pushing her into the house with a trach in her throat. She couldn't talk. I didn't know that night would be the last night that I would hear her voice. I didn't know that day would be the last day that I would talk to her and be able to pour my heart out. The connection that I had with her, nobody was able to replace that. So it shocked me. My mother ended up passing away. And I moved in with one of my sisters who had lived in Germany my whole life. So I really didn't even know too much about her. Moved into the house with her. She had a husband. So now I had a father figure. But me being the child that I was, I'm looking for my mom. And I couldn't find anyone to replace my mother. So I went into a shell. I went into a place where I felt abandoned. I felt deprived. I felt like, and I I already didn't have a father figure in my life all these years, so I didn't even know who I was. I had no sense of identity. So as I grew up, I began to search and try to find my identity. I began to hook up with different groups try to hang out with these people I didn't fit in. I try to hang out with these people I didn't fit in. Anybody ever do something like that? You're just trying to find out who you are, where you fit in life. And sometimes there's really no place in life where you fit. It's only in the kingdom of God. So I searched and I searched and I searched and I couldn't find it. I ended up going to the military. Got out the military, came back home. I still didn't know who I was. At the age of 23 in 2002, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. 
I thought my life would change and I'd find who I was being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. But even speaking in tongues, preaching the gospel, testifying to other people, people saying, God used you. You know that Bible. God this and God that, and he's raising you up. But still, I didn't know who I was. I still didn't find my identity, and it's easy for people to say what you are. People can see this and see that, and they can say, you're this, you're that, you're this and you're that, or I see this in you, or you're going to have a ministry like this. But only one person really got it right in my life, and it was a woman. I went to a revival when I was young, and at this revival, excuse me, my throat kind of dry. At this revival, when I was young, I, I grew up Catholic. I went to this non-denominational church with one of my sisters, and I had two of my nephews with me. And this particular night, I don't know who preached, what they preached about, because I wasn't really into all that. I'm a child. I'm just there because you made me come. She made us go to the altar call after church. Well, at the altar call, everybody's getting prayed on. So this lady walks up to me, doesn't know me from Adam. She walks up to me, she starts praying with me. And when she got done praying with me, she stepped back and she looked at me and she made eye contact with me. And she said, you know what? She said, you're going to be a preacher. In the back of my mind, I'm saying, you have no idea how sneaky and conniving I am. You have no idea how I don't even care about my life right now. You have no idea who I am, woman. I have no desire to preach. I don't even know how to preach. I have never, this is one of my first times coming to a church where I actually see a preacher instead of a priest. So she hit it on the head. But I grew up all this time still not knowing who I was. And it took me going through one of the, the most hardest points in my life recently. Late third, mid to late 30s. I'm 40 years old. I'm not shame. I'm 40 years old. I got gray hair to prove it. Amen. I, I, late 30s, I actually took time to find out who I was. And now I can actually say I know who I am. But you see the time frame that it took for me to find out who I really was. 37, 38 years before I even found who I was. So I'm telling you this because as we go through this text today, I wanted to just kind of throw that out there for you to think about how long it takes you. Because sometimes we can think we know ourselves, but we really don't know ourselves. Let's go to the text. Genesis chapter number 11. I'm going to start in verse number 24. Amen. Everybody got it? Genesis 11, verse number 24. And Nahor lived nine and twenty years and begat Terah. Nine hundred and twenty years this man lived. And he had a son by the name of Terah. And Nahor lived after he begat Terah 119 years. He lived after he had this son 119 years. 
So Tira was able to spend 119 years with his father. Could you imagine the relationship that they had? Now, back in these days, we didn't have a lot of distractions like we have today. We didn't have Facebook, Instagram. Nowadays, you can be sitting at the table with your family, and there's no communication. You can be in the same house and don't even know the people that live in the same house with you. These days, all they had was one another. And these days, they would go and they would work in the fields. They would come back, and they would commune with one another. The relationship that he had was solid. 119 years he spent with his father. And begat sons and daughters. Verse 26, and Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now look at how close the relationship was. He spent 119 years with his father. Nahor lived after he begat Terah 119 years. So at 119 years, he died after he had him. Terah lived 70 years, begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Their relationship was so close that he named his own child after his father. Their relationship was so close that he didn't want to let the relationship with his father go, so he named his son after his father in remembrance of my dad. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. So here's one of his children. He has three sons, Abram, Nahor, Haran. The Bible says Haran died. He died in the very same place where he was born. In the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. So, I need you to put yourself in his shoes. Tira and his father were close. So close that when his dad died, he named his own son after him. Now, he has another son by the name of Haran. Haran dies in the same city where he was born. Now, Tira, being the type of man that he was, closely related to his family, closely knit, trying to keep things together, now one of his sons passed away. Could you imagine this man, every time he went to the marketplace, somebody asking him, hey, I thought you had three sons. Where's your other son at? And it brings back memories. Or every time he goes out into the field to try to pull the corn or pull the peppers or, or do something in the field to milk the cows or get the cattle straight, and he looks back and wants to call his son's name, but his son isn't there. Or somebody or something reminds him of the son that he no longer has. So what did he do? Abram and Nahor took them wives, verse 29, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarah, the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, the father of Iscah. Let's go to verse 31. And Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his father, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees. He got all of his family together, and he said, you know what, we're going to leave this place. Now, I need you to understand something. Ur of the Chaldees was the birthplace of his pain. 
This was the birthplace of his hurt. The birthplace. This is where my child was born. Now all of a sudden I don't have my child anymore. And it all started right here in Ur of the Chaldees. So I'm going to leave Ur of the Chaldees. When he leaves, he goes to go into the land of Canaan. He left there with the intent to go to Canaan. Now, anybody know what Canaan is? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you a little history on what Canaan is. And it's, if you continue to read this, you'll find Canaan was actually the promised land. Canaan was the promised land. This is the place that God spoke and said he was going to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt and he was going to bring them to a, a land that flowed with milk and honey. He was talking about Canaan. It was already on Terah's heart to go to Canaan. But Terah came unto Haran, Haran, which is also his son's name. Now he's in a city that's named with the same name as his son that he died, that died, that he lost. So you left the land of nativity and you went to another city that's named after your son or with the same name as your son and you dwell there. It's so easy for us to leave, you know, even children when they grow up, an abused child, for instance. And abuse does not necessarily mean someone put their hands on them. Abuse can be verbal abuse. You're never going to be nothing. You'll be just like your daddy. He wasn't nothing. Be just like your mama. She wasn't nothing. Abuse can come in different ways and different forms. But the, the thing about a child, a child internalizes their pain. A child takes the pain, they put it inside, and guess what they start doing because they're not mature enough to think about it? They blame it on themselves. Why did my daddy leave me? He don't love me no more. He don't call. He don't check on me. I must have been a bad three-year-old. They blame themselves, and they grow up blaming themselves. Now they get to a point when they're older in life, they moved out of the land of nativity. They're no longer with mama. They're no longer with daddy. They're out there. They're on their own in college. Now they're out there. They got their own apartment and they still are blaming themselves for something that happened a long time ago. They've left Ur and now they live in Haran. They're living with it. They're living in the same place but affected by something that happened in another place. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Terah set out to go to Canaan, but he stopped in Haran. To give you a little history about Haran, Haran was located at the bottom of a mountain. It was off of a branch of the Euphrates River. There was a river, I believe it was called the Malik or the Balik River. It was a branch off the Euphrates. And it led up to a city called Haran, which was located at the bottom of a mountain. Haran means mountaineer or mountainous region. And the origin of the word means to be hot or to be scorched or to be angry. So he's living in a place of anger. We blame ourselves. We beat ourselves up because of things that happened long time ago. Now we set out on a journey to go somewhere, but we can't get to where we're going because we stopped 
because there's a place that we stop in, that we're living in, and we don't even realize how long we start staying in this place, how long we're living in this place, how long this other stuff has affected us, and now things we're doing, things we're saying, things we're thinking about, because we're affected by something that happened a long time ago, and we don't even realize we are living and dwelling in Haran. You dwell there, but this is not your destination. This ain't even where you set out to go. I just wanted to be saved. I just wanted to love God. I just wanted my career to go better than this. But we find ourselves in a place where we live and we dwell. And the Bible says Tira, the name Tira means delay. It means delay. Delay means this. To put off to a later time. Defer. You know, you can defer student loans. You can defer them. You can put them off. I'm not going to pay it now. Just give me a few more years. Give me another few months. We'll defer it. To postpone. To impede the process or the progress. To retard, to hinder, and the one I like the most, an act of procrastination. Tira was in a place that was named, had the same name as his son. So it was hard for him to move on when you're living in a place that is named after your hurt, named after your pain. And he's procrastinating or he's delaying. He's holding off. Sometimes we can get to the point to where we get so comfortable and get so used to living in a place that we just get comfortable and we just, it's just the way I am. It's just the way my life going to be. I, and you just start living with it. You get satisfied. You get content. You find a way to just cope with it. And you just feel like this is just the way my life is supposed to be. God just ordained it to be that way. But God did not ordain it to be this way. The Bible says in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. The Bible says when you keep your mind stayed on him, he said he will keep you in perfect peace. The Bible says he can give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. The Bible said there's liberty in the spirit. If there's liberty, if there's peace, if there's joy, then why are we still bound by things from the past? Speaking tongues, glory to God. We preach, we teach, we sing on a praise team, glory to God. But we still have a heron that we're living in. We still got something that we have not dealt with that affects us, that affects our decision. It affects everything that we do, and we get to a point to where we say this is just the way it is. God ain't finished with me yet, child. God know my heart. We find all kind of reasons to justify a condition that God does not want us to live in when he has called you to go to Canaan. Don't die. Inherent. Because the thing that God has for you to do is going to get done. Whether you choose to do it or not, God is going to get his work done. And I'm going to prove to you what I'm talking about. If you continue reading in verse number 12, verse number 1, chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country. They're living in Haran. Terah died. So God speaks to his son and tells his son, get out of this country. Get out of Haran and from that kindred 
and from thy father's house and unto the land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt make a blessing. Thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. Curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God had to deal with the son to get the son to finish what the father never finished. What has God put on your heart to do? That if you don't get it done, if you don't make it to your Canaan, wouldn't it be a sad affair for you to look back and say, I was supposed to leave that inheritance for my child. But now my child going to walk into it. How do you think Moses felt when God chose Moses from a child, from birth, raised him up in Egypt to learn all the customs, all the beliefs, to learn everything about the Egyptians, only to pull him out, bring him to the backside of a mountain, teach him who he was, to send him back to get the children of Israel, to bring the children of Israel into the promised land, and he dies before he even gets there. And he says, but I still got to get my work done. Joshua, come forth. And he had to cause Joshua to bring the children of Israel into the promised land. Because Moses was stuck. Elijah, great man of God, powerful man of God. This man prayed and shut the heavens up for a space of three years. Could you imagine a prayer? Could you imagine a prayer? You say, God, I just need you to stop rain, God. It's affecting my career. It's affecting my job, God. You know I work outside, and every time it rains, they shut it down, God, and I'm not going to get paid, God. Could you just shut up the heavens just for a week, God? And they, the forecast saying it's supposed to thunderstorm. Seven next, the next seven days, we get 100% thunderstorm, and all of a sudden, no rain. And they say, we don't know what happened. But God heard your prayer and shut the heavens up. And not only that, but the same prophet prayed again and sent his servant out there and said, hey, man, go, go look to see if you see a cloud. And he came back the third time, I believe it was. He came and said, yeah, I see a cloud. It's about the size of a man's hand. He said, okay, it's going to rain. Rain. This prophet had power with God. So much power with God, he prayed on a dead child and brought him back to life. He had so much power with God, he called down fire from heaven, mocked the other prophets that were under Jezebel's authority. But the same prophet got scared and started running for his life and said, it's too much for me. So what happened to Elijah? He had to take his mantle and he threw it on the back of Elisha. And it's the day that he got caught up, Elisha took that mantle and he asked a question. He hit the Jordan River. He said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the river went back and he was with Elisha just like he was with Elijah, but twice as much. He said, I'm going to give you a double portion because the work that I got to do, it was for him to do. But now I got to get you to do it. I'm going to get my work done. But the thing is, we got to make sure we are not dying in our heron when you have been called to go to Canaan. Abraham 
went all the way. He continued to go. He got to Cain and God said, I'm going to bring you to a land. I'm not even telling you where you're going. You're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. How do we walk? How do we walk? By faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We just had a three-part series on faith. We ought to be full of faith today. We ought to be so excited and full of faith. We feel like we can walk on water like Peter. We feel like, man, I can leap a building. I can take a bullet. I can get hit by a train. It don't matter because God is with me and I know I'm going to be all right. That's the kind of faith we should be walking in right now. But the faith that we have, we have to use the same faith to pull ourselves out of the place of bondage in our lives. Don't live there. You have to really sit down. What I had to do, I really had to sit down and rehearse the matter. I had to think all the way back to my childhood. Why do I respond like this? Why do I handle things like this? It's easy for us to throw everything on God. It's easy for us to say, oh, the devil just fighting your mind, child. The devil just fighting your mind. And the higher it looked like you going up in God, they say, oh, the devil just mad at you. No, there's internal issues. We can't just throw everything on God. There's internal issues with people that we need to seek God. And he that is spiritual can go and restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted also. We can't just throw everything on God. We have to seek God for wisdom that comes from above on how to handle things and not just be so quick to say the cliche things that come to our mind that church people do and say. We have to get to a point to where we're going in our prayer closet. We're really praying and concerned about other people. And God, I promise you, it has happened. God will show you what is going on in somebody's life. God will show you, just like he showed Elijah what was going on in the king's house in his bedchamber. He said, the king got so confused, he said, man, I got spies. Somebody go and tell him what's going on. He said, no, the Lord God of, of Israel, he's showing that prophet what you do in your bedchamber. He's showing you what you're thinking while you're laying on your mattress. Because he's praying. And God will begin to reveal things and show you things. The healing is in the body. Is there any balm in Gilead? The healing is here, but we have to deal with our own issues too. You got to look back over your life and find out those areas. Why did I handle things like this? Why do I think the way I think? Why am I so stubborn when people talk about this and I'm just so fixated on this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to handle it. We fixated on it. This is just how it's going to be. And we actually get mad when we're supposed to be walking in meekness and humbleness and able to receive anybody. Evaluate what people say before you just jump to conclusions. Amen? Don't die in Heron. Learn who you are. Learn where you are. We can all be spiritual, but don't be so spiritual that nobody can help you. Don't be so spiritual. I remember somebody telling me years ago, they say, you so heavenly minded, you know earthly good. And you know what I did? I got offended. I got offended because I was super spiritual that I couldn't help people that had normal everyday issues because everything was the Bible say, God say, which is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. That's beautiful and that's right. But some people have some issues inside that you can't just throw a scripture at. Some people have issues inside that you can't just say God going to deliver you. No, they need guidance. They need help. 
This is why we come to the house of God to receive a word from God so God is able to help his people. He's able to guide us and show us what's going on on the inside of us. And when he shows us, it's not for us to blame everybody else. I wouldn't be like this if my mama wouldn't have done this. I, I wouldn't be like this if my daddy wouldn't have walked out my life. I, I wouldn't be like this if, if, if this person and that person. He said, if you go on a good old fast like Isaiah 58 teaches us, he said, put away the pointing of the finger. Stop blaming everybody else. Let me show you yourself. So I can deal with your issues so you can make it to Canaan and you won't be one of the ones that die in Haran. You won't be one of the ones that have to look back over your life and say, I was supposed to do that. Why somebody else walking in my calling? Because I didn't make my calling and my election. Sure. God will raise somebody else up. If Adam wouldn't ate the fruit, don't you know Adam was called the son of God? If Adam wouldn't have ate the fruit, what need did we have for a Jesus? But he ate the fruit, so he brought Jesus to do what Adam didn't do. He's always going to get his work done. The thing is, will it be you or will it be somebody else? I want to be used by him. I don't know about you. I want to be used by him. I'm not trying to steal his glory, but I know I'll be glorified. I know when you look at me, you're going to see him. That's all I'm worried about because I know I want to be just like the son. And when he looks down and says, well done, my good and my faithful servant. Abraham was faithful. They call him faithful Abraham. He was faithful and he went somewhere. He didn't even know where he was going, but he said, I'm going to just go because God said. And when he got there, he put his feet down on the ground. He said, everything that your feet touch, everywhere you see, look around. Look at everything, everything, look around. As far as your eyes can see. As far, look as far as you can see. You see how it's starting to fade out way back there, miles and miles away. Everything you can see, he said, is yours. I'm giving it to you as an inheritance. He said, your seed is going to be as the stars of the sky. He said, you don't see it right now, Abraham, but you was obedient. You did what your father didn't do, and this is what I wanted to give to him, but he didn't finish the course. This been my plan. I'm going to take your children. I'm going to put them in bondage for 400 years. I got to make a family out of them. Bring a community, and then I'm going to bring them back and give them this land because of your faithfulness, Abraham. Sometimes the promise may not even come in your lifetime. The Bible said they looked for the promise and they didn't even see it. The promise wasn't in their lifetime. The promise might be three generations from now, but it was still in God's plan because one day in the eyes of the Lord is at a thousand years. And a thousand years, it says one day. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Luke. The 15th chapter. This is a story we, we've heard many different times. Y'all heard about the prodigal son? We've heard it many different times. I'm going to hit a few little points on this. And there's a few things I want to bring out. Luke chapter 15, it starts in verse number 11. Oh, she already got it up. Can y'all just give me a hand clap in the back? And Brother Sean and Brother Britt, 
That's three of the most faithful people I've ever met. Wednesday nights, they working. A lot of times during the week, they working. When we at home saying, oh, I, 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 they got it. They got the church. I'm going to come to church, but, you know, I don't really have nothing for me to do. There's plenty to do. There's plenty to do. It's, I, I love the way they work. They're so faithful. And the Bible says give honor where honor is due. And I just want to say thank y'all. Thank y'all for everything that y'all do. Thank y'all. Because this church could not operate the way it does without y'all. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. So he had these two sons. One of them came to him and said, hey, dad. Father, I know I got this inheritance that uh, you're going to give me. Can you just give me my portion now? And he gave him his portion. It's yours here. The Bible says not many days after that young man took his portion, gathered it all together. Let me bring it down to our day and time. That bank account that you got set up for me, can, can I just get my money? I'm 18. And I, can I just get my portion? Yes, son, it's yours. You got 250 grand saved up in your savings account. I've been saving for a long time for you. Been working hard. You got a quarter of a million dollars. Here, son, I just pray that you use it wisely. And you give the portion. And what does a typical young person that has no mindset or no vision of, of, of really doing anything with it, what do they do? They blow it. He took his portion, he went out, and he had a partyous life. Partyous is not a word, but I made it up. His life was full of partying. The Bible said he, it was a riotous, a sub, he spent his substance, wasted his substance with riotous living. He went out, he hit all the spots. He went out, he went and picked up all the women. Went spend money on them, doing all kind of stuff. What they, what's a good word, an appropriate word I can use for that nowadays? Splurge. He splurged. He was splurging. He just took his money and did whatever he wanted to do and lived a riotous life. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. He had no cushion. He had no savings account. He had no assets. He had nothing set up just in the event a famine comes. I'm in sales. And one thing about sales, you can do great one month, which Pastor LJ knows my, this year has been great to me, and this year has been horrible to me. <laughs> you can have a great month, and then the very next month you do bad. But Josh, you know what I'm talking about. But if you don't take from your good month and save in the event you have a bad month, then you make your bad month even worse. Because now you don't have the money to pay your bills. So a famine comes in that land, and he began to be in wants. 
lacking. Now look at what he did. He's already left his father's house. And he's out here in a whole nother place. And it says he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. Instead of going back to that home, instead of going, man, I'm going to just go talk to my daddy. Man, I done ran out of money. I done ran out of, so I done ran out of, I can't live out here like this. He joins himself to somebody in another country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. To feed swine. Let me bring it back to 2020. I was doing good. I took everything I had. I went out there and I splurged. And now I don't have nothing. And I'm not going to go back home and talk to my daddy about it. I'm not going to tell my mom about that. I'm not going to tell him that. No, no, that's embarrassing. I, then they're going to want me to go live with him. Then I'm going to be 20, 30 years old living with my mom and dad. I, I just can't do that. I got a name for myself now. I bought me a name with my money. So I can't do that. I, I know what I'm going to do. This dude over here, he on the cut every night. He Every night he on the cut. He look like he doing good, man. Look at him, 24s, 26s. What he got on that thing? That's some nice shoes on that ride. Candy paint. It look wet when he driving down the street. Tent so dark you can't see in it. Barely see out of it. He looked like he doing pretty good. I'm going to join myself to a citizen of this country. And he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He sent him out into the fields to feed swine. Man, this, this one of my cuts right here. I got about four corners I hit every night. But I tell you what, cuz, I tell you what. I'm going to hit these three. You hit that one. I'm going to show you the game. I'm going to teach you how to do everything. You go out there. You do exactly what I told you to do. If you see something funny, you just run, holler, scream, shoot in the air, do something. Let me know you need some, some help. And I'm, I'm, my, my partners, me, we coming. We got this. We're not just going to leave you out there, especially not with my dope and my money. He sent him out there to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Now, let's say it wasn't drugs. Let's say it's just on your job. And you hook up with somebody on your job, and they try to teach you the game on your job. They teach you how to become the company man. So you start pursuing to try to fill this void in your company, in your career. You give yourself to it. The Bible says he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Now, I used to listen, I used to hear people read this verse 16, and they would talk about the husk that the swine did eat. What's the first thing come to your mind when you hear that? This is somebody, what's the first thing come to your mind? Slop. Huh? Come on, y'all help me out. Y'all quiet this morning. I know we probably missed an hour of sleep last night, daylight saving time, but we're in the house. I need your help. Come on, somebody. What's the first thing come to your mind? The husk that the swine did eat. Shh, don't say nothing. You got the right answer. Don't say (laughs) Y'all supposed to give me a bunch of wrong answers. One person said slop. As many times as I've heard this verse, that's always what I thought. Are oh, you out there eating slop with the pigs? But a husk, you got that picture, Sister Mia? 
This is what a hus look like. Show them the next one if you don't mind. See the little peas inside of it? That don't look like slop. That's husk. And the thing about a husk, husk were actually not bad for you. Can you show us the benefits? Health benefits, it was called a carob bean. It aids digestion, lowers cholesterol, high in calcium, improves digestion, improves blood pressure, contains vitamin E, rich in insoluble fiber, high potassium and magnesium, fights against osteoporosis. What's the next one? Mediterranean tree whose fruits are used as a substitute for cocoa. Care flower cleans the intestine while it feeds and nourishes. Childhood diarrhea, it reduces cholesterol, high content in calcium, very tasty. You say, how does this fit in what you're talking about, brother? You're supposed to be slop. It's supposed to be something people don't want. What I'm trying to show you is what he was eating wasn't a bad thing. He would have feigned, filled his belly with something that really wasn't a bad thing. But it wasn't something that was driving him back home either. He got comfortable living in Heron. He made a living. He got so comfortable living there that he was just to the point to where he said, you know what? I may as well just make this my life. I'm about to fill my belly up with this thing that's not so bad. I'm going to just give myself to my career to get my mind off of everything at home. I'm going to just live a little bit. I'm going to just shoot off to another place. I'm going to just... I'm just going to give myself to something else, but in the back of my mind, I know this is not fulfilling. This is not satisfying me because I know where I come from. He would have fain fill his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. But look at the next verse. And when he came to himself, somebody say he came to himself. When he came to himself, when he really sat down and evaluated himself, when he sat down and looked over his life and said, why, what, what, how did I get here? Why am I thinking like this? I would have never thought to think like this. Where did this come from? You got to think about things in your life. Why do you get angry so quick when this happens? Why? Why do you fall into a state of depression every time you feel deprived? Why do you fall into a state of wanting to commit suicide when it feels like you have no real friends in your life? Uh, these are real issues, everyday issues that people deal with. Why have you built this wall up and said, I'm not going to trust anybody no more or let anybody get close to my heart anymore because... When you was in Ur of the Chaldees, the land of nativity, there was some pain. There was some hurt. There was something birthed there. And even though you've left it, you still have this stuff going on inside of you. And God has not freed you yet because you have not come to yourself to realize who you really are yet. You got walls up and you've justified them. I would have fain filled my belly with the husk 
What I'm doing is not really a bad thing. I don't hate them. I'm just not going to hang around them. My heart right. It's not a bad thing. Right? Ain't that how we think? I'm going to just walk away because if I stay here, I'm going to hit them. And that's not a bad thing. But then when you come back to work tomorrow, you avoid them. You see where it takes you? Instead of having some freedom on the inside, when somebody can do you something wrong, and the next day you say, you know what, I'm going to pick up some breakfast. I think I'm going to pick them up a little breakfast too. Now you're not avoiding the problem. Now you're breaking walls down on your own heart. Because you come into yourself. But it takes the Holy Ghost to get inside, start examining your heart. The Bible says how the word of God is sharp, it's powerful, it's quicker than any two-edged, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing asunder to the dividing of both soul and spirit, even down to the joints and marrow of the bone. And a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. This is what he comes to do. When he gets inside, he starts separating everything. And he shows you this is who you really are. This is how you act. This is why you act the way you act. This is why you do what you do. This is where it comes from. We need to revisit this thing. We need to go get this relationship right because off of this relationship is where all your bitterness came from. This is where all your hatred comes from. Because this was the nativity of it, but you've learned to live inherent so this is where we live and we come to church like nothing's wrong we come to church and raise our hands up and everybody say we spiritual we come to church on Sunday morning they get the praise then praising and we just shouting and dancing and oh God you're so good and God is saying I am you just don't know how good I am if you only knew how good I really was If you only knew how free you could really be. But you're settling. You're settling for husk. You're settling for something that is not a bad thing, but it's not growing you either. You're stunting your growth where you are. When I'm trying to get you over here to Canaan and you want to stay in Heron, you are not fulfilling your calling. You're not being the best you can be. You got so much potential. I'm a father, and the job of a father is to show you your identity, and this is not who you are. This ain't who you are. You settled in the land of Heron, and it's time to come out. It's time to come out. The Bible teaches us. He said that we shouldn't be walking like other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. Our hearts have been blinded, and we can't see. We can't see. Hallelujah. Verse 17. He came to himself and he said, how many hired servants? Hired servants. They're not even part of the family. These are people he brought into the house. The hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare. He said they got enough to eat and enough to give away. 
and I perish with hunger. He said, I'm over here dying because I'm not being filled. I'm not being satisfied. The Bible says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. He's saying, you shall be filled. There's nothing that can really satisfy you except a good dose of righteousness. You say, well, what you mean, preacher? The Bible says this. Say, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. He said, but it is righteousness. It is peace. And it is joy. And where is it found at church? Where is it found? In the Holy Ghost. You got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you get filled with that, I'm not talking about, oh, you got it and you speak in tongues and God uses you every now and then. I'm talking about when you filled with it, you walk in righteousness. You walk in joy. You walk in peace. There's nothing that can rob the internal man of his goodness. When people look at you, they see God. They see a citizen of the kingdom. They're not seeing somebody that wavers back and forth. I'm saved today. I'm not tomorrow, but I'm still speaking in tongues. I'm still coming to church. It was just a beautiful thing. Keep coming to church. Keep speaking in tongues. Keep praying. But it's so much more that you have to do in order for you to get to Canaan. There's a promised land he's trying to bring you to. It takes fight. You can't be no quitter in this thing. You got to fight your way through this. You got to claw. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence. But he said a violent would take it by force, Brother Mark. They going to fight. How bad you want it? How bad do you want it? When you want it bad enough, you know who you get mad at? Oh, we get mad at the devil. But you got to get mad at yourself. The first thing I did the day I got filled with the Holy Ghost. 2002, I will never forget it. I went and I went in the restroom of this brother's apartment. And as I'm in the restroom, I picked my head up crying, tears falling in the sink. And when I looked up, all I saw was a mirror. And when I looked in that mirror, the only thing I saw was my reflection. I remember it like it was yesterday. And as I began to look at that mirror, God was telling me I needed to call somebody and apologize because this was the birthplace. This was my Ur of the Chaldees. He was bringing me back to the nativity of the hatred, of the bitterness, of the anger, of the everything that I became. And I learned to deal with it, but he was trying to free me of it. Then he said, I got to revisit. You need to go back and apologize to this person. Everybody else said it happened to after that. It's okay. We'll deal with that. But you got to get this right. I'm going to bring you back to the birthplace of it. I had to go and get that right before I could get anything that was built off of it right. Let me take you back to the seed. You want to deal with the tree, but the seed is what you need to be dealing with. I got to take you down to the root of it, Pastor. Some things that then grew in our hearts. And we want to chop the tree, but we don't get the roots and it grows right back. And we got something else to blame because we never got down to the bottom of it. We cover it up. We want to bury all our skeletons and put them in a closet and turn around and act like it ain't there no more. But there's so much stuff that we need to open up our closet doors. We need to dig up the ditches and get all of this mess out of our hearts. Before you die in Herod. God did not call you there. He did not call you for this. 
He called you to fulfill a work. He said, I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. But how can you reconcile anybody when you're not even reconciled with yourself? How can you help somebody with pain when you don't know how to deal with it? How can you help somebody else get out of a struggle when you quit every time? How can you tell somebody else anything when you won't tell yourself nothing? You hide from your own self. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. The Bible says he came to himself. Shake yourself. Look at what he started doing. Give him a hand clap. Hallelujah. Verse number 18. I want you to look at what this young man did. The first thing that he did. What's the first word? The first word. I. He didn't put the blame on nobody else. He came to himself. I'm the problem. That's my problem. I got to quit blaming everybody else for being ugly. I got to quit blaming everybody else for being this, this person. I'm just ungrateful about everything and it's always everybody else's fault. No, it's your fault and you need to come to grips with yourself. I will arise. He's talking to himself. Talk to yourself. Tell yourself what you will do. I will apologize. I will get that relationship right. It's going to hurt, but that's all right. Flesh wasn't meant to feel good because flesh got feelings. But I know that I'm not walking by the flesh. I'm walking by faith and not by sight. And I know that if I'm walking and I'm doing the will of God, God is going to give me the strength. God is going to give me the courage. I'll be able to fulfill the will of God because I'm trying to get to Canaan. He said, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned. I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Look at the humility. Sometimes we have built this name up about ourselves and nobody even know your name but you. Nobody know you but you. You become known for nothing. Everybody, you, they better not mess with me. They just don't know. They don't. They really don't. You wrote this law in your heart. You're the only one that knows. But I promise you, there's always somebody better than you. And all it takes is you to cross over the wrong line. And it could cost you your life. He said, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the hired servants. Because he remembered the hired servants even had stuff to spare. I'll be content with that because now I'm out here, I ain't got nothing. Oh, it teaches you how to be grateful. God will humble you. When you ain't got nothing and you realize everything you have is a privilege. Everything you have is because God gave it to you, not because of something that you did with your great mighty hands. Build a kingdom, God will knock it down. And he said, I'll take a, I'll take a beggar out of the dunghill. I'm going to take somebody that ain't nothing. Because they're walking in humility. 
and they realize that they don't have nothing. And if I give them a lot, they still going to have the same mindset so I can trust them with it. Solomon prayed a prayer. Solomon was 12 years old, became king over Israel, and he prayed a prayer. He said, God, I'm not asking for riches. I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking for a bunch of stuff. All I want is a little wisdom, God. Just give me a little wisdom so I might rightly judge your people that now I'm responsible for. And he said, I can trust him. Became one of the richest kings that ever walked the face of this earth. He said, and he arose. Don't just tell yourself, but do it. He arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. God waiting on you. He waiting on you. Sometimes we sit here and we beat ourselves up so much and we think God ain't going to forgive me. I done done too much because I knew better. And God don't want me no more. And I can't go back over there because they're going to look at me crazy. But God is sitting here at the door every day he's walking. Adam. Adam, where you at? He's waiting. And oftentimes it's not that we were just being rebellious. We just didn't know. We didn't know we got so comfortable in Heron. It became a way of life for us. We became content. And the Bible talks about how God will deal with us just like an eagle. He'll get in there and he'll start ruffling up the nest, make it uncomfortable for the eagle. That eagle will climb all the way to the top of the nest and he gets to the edge and look down and say, whoa, I'd rather live in this. And then the next day that eagle come back, she shake it up again. And eventually if she got to, she'll take that bird and put it on her back and she'll take off. And she'll fly. And when she gets high enough, she tips over and that bird falls. And she flies down and she's standing right there with the bird, hoping that the eagle learns to just spread your wings. That's all you got to do, just spread your wings. Trust the wind. Trust the spirit. Trust him. His father, was he saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, now this is a key part. The father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. Remember the father had compassion on him. Remember how the son came to the father, I'm not even worthy to be your son. Look at the pity that he has. He's coming back home, but he has all this pity on him. He's feeling sorry. He's feeling bad, horrible. I'll never be what I used to be. I'll never be able to preach. I'll never be able to teach. I'll never, I'll never make it to Canaan. I'll never fulfill my calling. I done done too much, and I just come back. I can't. I just come home. I want to be a door, a doorkeeper. Whatever you got for me to do, it don't matter. I don't need nothing big. Beating itself up, and the father saw his condition, and he told his servant, he said, "Bring me a robe, the best robe." Put it on him. Don't you know God will wash all your sin away and have you walking around looking clean with a, a robe of righteousness? The world might remember everything you did. They're going to remind you. They're going to say, the Bible said, the ungodly dig up evil. They'll always remember. He said, put it on him and put a ring on his hand. Y'all ever watch these mafia shows? Where they put the ring on your finger is basically them welcoming you into the family. Put the ring on him. 
and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. What's going on? I hear something going on inside the house. They, 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 they didn't call me. They didn't let me know nothing. They, they just started doing this without me. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, thy brother is come. And thy father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. The father's main concern. I just want to receive my son back safe and in his right mind. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered, said to his father, lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living. Y'all see what I'm doing? As soon as this thy son come, it ain't me, it's him. The blame game. Thy son come, which had devoured thy living with harlots. Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. When people come to themselves and they start shaking back and coming back, and they come into the house of God. Just because you never went nowhere, don't blast them. Don't talk about them. Don't put your mouth on them. They didn't do that for me when I came. When I, I've been here for three years. I've been faithful. I've been consistent in everything I do. I'm on the usher board. I, I do this and I do that. And all this other mumbo jumbo. I've been faithful on the job for this long. And I've been doing this and I've been doing Why I ain't never got this? Why I ain't never got that? And y'all ain't never praised me like that. They compare themselves among themselves, which Paul said is not wise. Measure themselves by themselves. He said that's not wise. Now, let me give you an understanding of what the whole purpose of his father doing this was for. This child had been living out here. Blew everything. His brother still had his. He had been living out here. Would have fain filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. Wanted to become content living in Heron. Just content living out there. I made it my life. I almost almost made that decision and I would have died there. But I decided to come back, come to myself, found myself. Now I'm pitiful. I'm broken. I feel worthless. How would you treat somebody? How would you treat your child? How would you treat your child if they came home? You got other children. And it's just everyday life with your other children. But when this one come home and you see them in that condition, ask yourself, how would you treat your child? You have to make them feel good about themselves again. You got to build a self-esteem back up. You got to make them feel a part of the family again. You got to help them get to a point to where they can actually start seeing their potential because now they're starting at ground zero and you got something to work with now. 
they humble, they're clothed in humility, I can build you now. Because apparently the first time you, 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 some, you had some issues. But now God then humbled you and brought you through something and he's brought you back to me. And now we're at this stage where we're at the root of the matter. You've come to yourself and now we can do something with it. So let's start here. Go get the best robe. Go get the, go get the ring. Go kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. Let's just make merry. Let's make him feel welcome again. Make him feel like he's a part of the family, like nothing ever happened. Don't sit here and throw the mud back in his face that he just got done walking around and with the swine. Don't sit here and remind him of his past and, and start throwing off on him and making him feel like he should have just stayed out there. Because that's what will eventually happen. You will drive them right back out the doors of the church. He had everything. His father told him. You go to the next verse, Mia. And he said unto him, son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Everything I got is for you. You've been in the kingdom toiling, working. You know how to go outside and do everything in the fields. I've taught you every, everywhere I went, you was with me. Even when he left, you were with me. You were still learning. You were still growing. You became something greater than what you even know you are. And now he's behind. But the first thing we got to do, because he's safe and he's sound, the first thing we got to do is build his self-esteem back up. The first thing we got to do is bring him back into a place. See, but son, you so stuck on, on what we're doing over here, and you don't even realize you're going to be helping me. You don't even realize that when I die, there's nobody else that knows how to run this family better than you. Who does it fall to? It falls to him. And he didn't even realize. So we got to get to a point where we decide we're not going to die in that state of mind. But we're going to come to ourselves what is your heron? Birthplace was Ur of the Chaldees. That's the nativity of it. That's where it came from. And even though you're not there anymore, you don't live in the house no more, you're not around the same people no more, but something was birth that you've carried with you throughout your life. And it affects your decisions. It affects your insight. It affects your perspective on things. And sometimes you get so mad at your own self. And you don't want to be like that. You don't like that about you. You hate it. But you don't know how to come out. You want to go to Canaan because you know God has called you to this. God has given some of you vision. God has given some of you mindsets. You're supposed to have businesses. But Heron is stopping you from fulfilling everything that God has put on your life. You can't make it there because there's a flaw in your character. It's not the destination that's the greatest. You get the trophy after a championship game, they clap for you, you put the trophy in a case. But you would never, ever, ever get more from the journey that it took to get there.
That's the most valuable thing. What did you become on the journey? And if you cannot make it to the destination, then you did not become the champion. Somewhere along the journey, there was a flaw. Somewhere along the road, is it, was it an abusive relationship you was in? Now nah, it's hard to trust people. Was it as a child, people talked about you, you were deprived, maybe your parents left, and you're wondering, will anybody ever love me? My own daddy walked out my life. Now you don't walked out my life. I hate my life. I remember as a child getting mad at my mother. I would get so mad at my mom. I didn't have a dad in the house. It was just me and her. So if, if she made me mad, I didn't have nobody to talk to. And I remember days I would sit there against my door in my room and just bang my head against my door and say, I hate my life. I hate that I was born. I wish I was never here. And it followed me throughout my life. This hurt me. It can turn for the good if you let God turn it, but it hurt me. And I didn't know as I grew up trying to fit in with this group and fit in with that group and trying to be around these people and people not accepting me, I went into a shell. And I said, fine, I'm just not going, I don't like people no more. And I became a very quiet person. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to let nobody in my life. I didn't want to know nobody's life. All I'm going to do is I'm going to just live my life and I'm going to be content. I don't have no dreams. I don't have no vision. I'm going to just pass my time through this life. Got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And you know what my biggest excuse was? I'm just a stranger and a pilgrim. I'm being honest with you. I use the scriptures to justify my condition. Now I have a reason not to be involved in everybody's life. Now I got a reason to live in Haran and feel like I'm walking to Canaan. Can you put that map up for me, Mia? I'm going to show you this and we're going to close. Ur is way down here. The journey to Canaan was 1,000 miles. Tira, which means delay, started in Ur. He followed the Euphrates River, went off on a branch of the rivers and went to Haran. He went 600 miles. Y'all remember that song, 99 and a half won't even do? He went 60%, but he never made it to Canaan. Now, you would think, let's applaud him for the journey that he did do. Oh, my, my father was such a good man. He did this and he did that, but he did not make it to his destination. And we can oftentimes praise people and even feel good about ourselves for what we have done. But a visionary is always looking at what's not done. They're always looking ahead because they know we got to reach this goal. We got to reach this. This is the goal. This is where I got to get. Our job is to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And if there's some things in your life that you may have seen while I was talking to you, you know what the things are in your life. You know what issues you have. You know what's stopping you. 
You know what's keeping you from having solid connections with people and solid relationships. And you say, I'm only going to go so far. You know what brings the suicidal thoughts to your mind. You know what you deal with. You know why you can't give God 100%. Sometimes we can't give him 100% because we know we got to deal with this issue. And we're scared. I don't want to go through that again, God. I don't want to be hurt like that again, God. I don't want to. Let's just call it what it is. We don't want to. It hurts. But God is saying, I can't heal you if you don't let me touch. I I can't put the medicine on you if if I can't reach it. If you keep pulling away from me every time I try to reach for you. Let me just give you a glimpse of what you're supposed to be. And hopefully that'll be good enough for for you to walk towards me. Let me give you some vision to go after. And and every time you get to this line and you got to cross it, you remember. And you just plant your feet and say, I'm good. But today, God is standing at the door. He's knocking. He's knocking. He's knocking. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 11 concerning Abraham. It says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. God calls you out of the place he's calling you Abraham was called out of Haran he's calling you out of Haran to go into a place that afterwards he's going to give it to you for an inheritance but it takes faith he obeyed and he went out not knowing where he was even going sometimes you ain't going to know because this is a walk of trust This is a walk of faith. You're not always going to have all the answers to where you're going. You're not always going to know. God is not going to reveal everything to you every step of the way. But just know he's taking you somewhere. And once you put your feet on it, he said, this is yours. You are more than conquerors through Christ that strengthens you. Max, everyone to stand to your feet. Pastor, did you have anything? We'll bring Pastor LJ up. But I want you to really think about this tonight, today. All throughout the week, just examine yourself. Examine your life. Really take time. Quiet, quality time to reflect on your personal life. Get you a notepad. Write it down. I need, to, I need to talk to this person because their relationship just ain't right. I need to heal right here because this is where all my anger comes from and my bitterness and my frustration. This is why I'm not growing in God because every time somebody tells me to do something, I get mad. Why? Why? Examine your life. Look back over your life. And then look yourself in the mirror. And say, I will arise.
Amen. Last verse, and I'm going to turn it over to our pastor. Hebrews 11. It says, verse 14, but they that say such things, verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country, Ur, Heron, if you're mindful of it, from whence they came out, they might have an opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. Anybody desire a better country? Anybody tired of being stuck in a place in Heron? Don't die in Heron. That is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Amen. Was anybody blessed today? I'm going to turn it over into the hands of our wonderful, fearless leader. Our pastor, Pastor L.J. Miller. Come on, y'all give the minister a hand clap today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, if you were blessed by the word, amen. Let him know it today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Truly, I was blessed by the word. Amen. Don't want to die in Haran. Amen. As we're moving forward to Canaan. Amen. Amen. And he's talking about dealing with the root of it. Go and trace it. Amen. And a lot of times we get stuck because we don't deal with what's in us. Amen. And I'm so thankful for that word. I thank God for the man of God today. Amen. I know God sent that word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Give God another hand. Praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. And I don't want us to leave the presence of God. Amen. Without going before him in prayer. Amen. As we get ready to go before God in prayer. Amen. I just want you to think about where you are. You know, and just this week. Amen. I was thinking about altar prayer. Amen. And I know altar is sacred to God and it's sacred to us. Amen. We've seen a lot of wonderful things happen at this altar. Amen. And I, and I value this time as a very sacred time because I know God meets us at the altar. Amen. I know that. And I was just thinking this week, I say, God, and God was sharing with me. He want me to start having an altar a little more organized, having a little more structure to it. Amen. Because sometimes when you coming out of the world, amen, I know a lot of times I invite everybody up to the altar and I pray with everybody and we have people that pray with you at the altar but i want to start giving you specific reasons to come to the altar praise god because sometimes amen when you come to church and somebody invited you to church it may be your first time in the house of god and the word may prick you 
And so you may be coming to the altar because there's things you need to repent of because God is calling you out of the world. Amen. And a lot of times I see where people struggle when they come out of the world. People come to the altars of God and they may repent because they heard the word and then they don't realize they move into a category where you are called a believer. When you become a believer, you may not have received the spirit of God yet. Amen. But you may be a disciple of Christ. You may be a follower of Christ. And you have to keep coming to the house of God. And then one day you may receive the spirit of God the first time you come to the altar, the first time you hear the word. Amen. But a lot of times you may not. I've seen it happen so many ways. But if you come to the altars of God and you repent and you coming out of the world, and you're deciding you want to be a follower of Christ. You can't get discouraged while you're moving from where you are, Quran, to Cana. Cana is like a symbol of when you're receiving the Holy Ghost. Because the scripture is called the spirit, the spirit of promise. And so that's a journey. When God is calling you out of the world and you come and you repent of your sins. Well, now you start moving toward the promise, the spirit of promise. You may get it the first time. You may not. But you are now a believer. And Paul say, have you received the spirit since you believe? And there's a lot of people that come and they move into that believer category. And you may stay there for a very long time. I've seen people stay in that believer lane for years. And they become good people. But you don't want to get stuck in being a believer and never get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Getting moving toward Cana is good. But it's not good until you complete what God has called you to be. Praise God. So when you come into this ministry, man, sometimes you may have never heard of the spirit of God. You may have never. I'm good. I'm going to use this when I'm done. You may never heard of the spirit of God. You may not. It may be your first time seeing people praying in an unknown tongue. And it may be surprising to you. But you can still start to clean up your life. You can still start to put away the things you know that don't please God. You can still start to take the teachings and apply them. And as you apply that word, the Bible says that God purifies the soul as it obeys the word of God. Praise God. So you continue to come. Amen. And as God gets you ready, sometimes your wineskin is old. And as you become a believer, God just starts to clean the wineskin up. Start cleaning old mindsets. Amen. And then God began to share with me there's people that come and they have the spirit of God. And you fall into different categories after you've received the spirit of God. Sometimes you labor and virtue leave out of you. You need to be replenished. He called the spirit of God. He compared it to oil. Oil, when you, the reason you change oil in your car is because additives and minerals break down and you lose the viscosity. And what that means is the oil can't flow so the engine can work right. So what, the, what that's saying is when you have the spirit of God, but the word of God is not flowing through you and it's not moving through you, that all needs to be changed. Or you need to be refreshed. You need to be replenished. Praise God. Then you can fall into a category where this thing is in your belly. And he said it's like a well. But you got to prime the well. You can have the spirit and still be dry. Then you can have the spirit and fall into a category called lukewarm. 
Well, you indifferent. You come, but do you have God's spirit, but you're not on fire for God. You're not passionate about God. You're just in a routine, but it's still there. Amen. So we got to start learning when we come to the altar. If this is your first time and there's things you need to repent of, then you do that at the altar. And when you come into this, to the, when you come into the altar and you feel the spirit of God moving upon you, especially if you are new to that, when you feel him trying to, something coming in your belly, and then you feel something trying to take over your mouth, it doesn't need assistance. The Bible said they begin to speak in other tongues as the spirit. When God put that spirit in your belly, it takes over and it talks to God. Amen. So you don't have to assist it. You don't have to try to figure out what it's saying. It's speaking mysteries to God. It could be saying, God, I'm just so thankful that my soul has finally reconnected to you. The scripture says that when the spirit fell, they begin to prophesy and praise God. Sometimes the Holy Ghost comes in and it's just blessing God because the soul has been free. Hallelujah. Praise God. But God began to share with me that the altar is for everybody. Whether you are coming for the first time to the altar, you need the altar. And he don't want me just saying, who want to be saved today? And you wait and a few people come. But every time you come into the house of the living God, you should come to meet God. You should come to this altar to meet him. And it doesn't matter if you've been filled with the spirit a long time. If you know that spirit is not vibrant in you like when you first received it. You need to be at that altar just like the man that's coming for the first time. You should never let the spirit of God get to a point in you where you're not excited about God anymore. Because the spirit that's alive, it wants to glorify God. It wants to hear the word of God. It wants to be around God. The Bible said if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. And all that spirit wants is God and more God and more God and more God and more God. And when you find yourself saying you're a believer, but you're not hungry for more of God, then you need to be at that altar and get reignited in the Holy Ghost. You need your fire relit because you're not supposed to be a Christian that's not excited about Jesus. There's joy in the Holy Ghost. There's peace in the Holy Ghost. The whole purpose of having the Holy Ghost. Paul said we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And the reason he said that is because I still go through what everybody else go through. But the difference is when they get depressed, I have joy. When they can't sleep, I have peace. When they turn troubled and in turmoil, I have a God that I can call up on. Hallelujah, Lord. It's no sense to be a Christian and you have the same emotion of turmoil as the people in the world when they face life scenarios. Hallelujah, Lord. The whole purpose of being in God is to handle life differently. Amen. The comforter is a helper. He come to help you deal with life. He has come to help you manage life. So never get to a point where you let the spirit of God live on the inside of you. And you're not letting him help you. Praise God. Amen. So as you make your way, I want everybody to come up and meet us at this altar today.
Amen. And I want to pray with you. And I want y'all to remember something. Jesus told him, he said, go into Jerusalem. Then he said, when you get there, this is something that the church is missing. This is what some specific instructions that he gave them. He said, tarry until you be endued with power from on high. Hallelujah, Lord. It takes some humility to cry out to the Lord. Especially when you have a name or you or people think something of you, but you know on the inside is dry in there. Don't come to the altar today and miss this visitation of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on up some more. Amen. Y'all know we make room for everybody. Move them rows back. I want everybody to be able to get to the altar of God. Praise God. And I guarantee you, God will meet you if this your first time coming to the altar, hearing the word. And there's things you need to repent of, amen, to make this connection with God. You go ahead on and you do that. And you 